we've been talking about um, failing forward uh, the last few weeks. And when I think about some of the things mentioned in that video of stuff moms don't say, there's so many things in there that can maybe, um, <laughs> that would lean into the idea of failure um, for sure. Because that's sometimes how we feel. Um, and I got to imagine that God kind of looks at us and, and maybe would even think the same thing occasionally. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, for moms, uh, with this being Mother's Day, realizing that failure is a part of, of our story. Failure is a part of my story. Failure is a part of your story. Whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're not, um, whether you're, uh, you know, uh, aunt, uncle, uh, mother figure, father figure, um, we, we all deal with, with failure. And in a Jesus perspective, a lot of times we can look at it and, and he loves to take, um, he loves to take those, those failures. He loves to take, he loves to take stumbling blocks and allow those to become stepping stones for us. And in many ways, that's what we're talking about, um, over the, over the last few weeks. And, and today, of course, um, you know, failure is absolutely a part of all of our story. Um, and as parents, we definitely don't get it right all the time. Uh, if we're parents, we can certainly admit to that. Um, but for some of us, for some of you, uh, this is a tough day. Mother's Day can be a, a tough day for a lot of people. Uh, whether you're here, whether you're watching online, um, whether you're watching this later, um, I think we all realize that, that Mother's Day can, is, is a great day and is an awesome thing to be able to celebrate our moms for sure. Um, but it's, it can also be tough. Um, maybe you've lost your mom. Maybe you've lost your mom recently or within the past year or two. Um, maybe uh, your, your mom, you feel like in some ways, has maybe failed you. And so that makes this a little bit of a, of a tough day uh, in, in some aspects. Maybe you've lost a child uh, or you're maybe unable to have kids. It, it can be tough. There's a range of emotions that happen with a day like this. Um, and so I want to start with an idea um, that I think can kind of bring us together here for a minute. And that is this. You are a hypocrite. You're like, whoa, Jay, reel it in back up, right? It's Mother's Day. Calm down. Like, okay, I get it for sure. But you know what? So am I. We're all hypocrites in many ways. Um, in many ways, we have failed others. All of us in here, in the sound of my voice or watching online, we have all failed other people at some point in time. We, we don't get it right all the time. We've all said that we were going to do something and then we didn't. We've all let someone down. All of us have been in a place where someone was counting on us and we blew it. So let's take a breath for a second. My point to this is for us to take a breath for a second and realize that we all have this in common regardless of your status. Regardless of where you are, we all have this in common. Because when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to us being saved, right, we're not just saved from something or from a place, we're saved for something. And all of us have, have messed this up in some way, shape, or form with other people. And it can seem like, if we just look at the Bible like it's a rule book, which is not what its intent is, but if we look at it that way, it would seem like the Christian life is just one big constant failure that we just try to get it right and we don't and we mess it up and we keep messing it up and, and all of that stuff. Are, are we just helpless sinners who 
we'll never make any progress? It can feel that way if if we're approaching God, if we're approaching Jesus that way, it can feel that way. Aren't we supposed to be perfect? Aren't we supposed to get it right all the time? Yes. We can be, (laughs) right. We feel that way, don't we though? Right? We can be naive is part of, the, part of my point here, though. We can be very naive. I don't know about you and where you were um, as, as a believer, maybe when you first got saved, or maybe you're just recently saved, or you can think back to a time in your life, but have you ever been in a place where you realize how naive you're being as a Christian, or you have been, when you think back about it? Now, the word naive um, means like showing a lack of experience or wisdom or judgment in a certain area. Um, and so... Maybe you thought that after you accepted Christ, I've talked to people like this before, um, or, or at least seen it, after, after you accept Christ that, that you'd never sin again. And that you get, like, I got it right. Like, I accepted Christ, I got the Holy Spirit, I, like, I should know the Bible by heart now, and I get, I'm just gonna get everything right all the time, right? That's a really naive perspective. But if we think back about when we first got saved, we maybe had a little bit of that attitude, that, that, that thought of like, oh, now, now I'm this, and, and I'm in this, this area, not realizing that the Christian life is a journey, not realizing exactly where we are, that, that once we are saved, that maybe we have an actual bigger perspective on our sin than we had before. And, and in many ways, if we're looking at the Bible like a rule book and we're being naive about our faith and we're being naive about what it really means to follow Jesus, we end up um, really in a place of failure and feeling like an ultimate failure because we have these expectations versus reality moments, right? We can maybe feel like, like this. Feel like this is how I think I look. This is how I actually look, right? I, th- I think I walk into the house and I'm Thor, right? But let's be honest, I'm bro Thor, right? Like we're, we're a little more this guy than, than this guy. Maybe, maybe it's just me. Um, but we do this with our Christian walk too. You know, we, we, when we first come to Jesus and it's an awesome thing, absolutely, that we should be excited and, and all of that. Um, and and we, we end up thinking that we're this. I'm charging the gates of hell with a squirt gun. And, and at the same time, we're, we're really more this, um, that we're really just sitting there with a bowl of guac. Um, and we, we get these realities messed up because we have these unrealistic expectations of ourselves as Christians. And as followers of Jesus, we should naturally have this new life and, and get, get it all right all the time. We should, you know, I'm, I'm just going to resist temptation all the time and, and things are going to be just so much easier from here on out. And I'm going to hear God's voice every moment of the day and, all, and that's just not the reality. And then when the reality hits us of all of that, that we aren't Sinless, like we thought, that we uh, that this new life in Christ is more of a journey than it is just a moment of landing. Things change, and we also realize that other believers are not perfect either. You know, sometimes the most difficult thing in the world is to admit that we failed. Sometimes this can feel like the most difficult thing in the world, and and to us, it it is. It can seem that way. I, I would, you could maybe even take away the word sometimes for a lot of us. That the most difficult thing in the world is to admit that we've failed. It's, it's really easy for me to admit that you failed. <laughs> but it's not always easy for me to admit that I failed. Right? 
We all, we all feel that. We all feel that. And it's not just to other people. It's to ourselves. People are counting on me. The kids are counting on me. And failure is not an option here. Well, you know what? Let's get real for a second. Sometimes it's the only option. Sometimes we just blow it. Sometimes we're, we mess it up. Sometimes we don't have a choice. You know, one of the most powerful stories of failure and redemption is a really familiar story to probably a lot of us in, in scripture, and it's Peter's denial of Jesus. And this applies to moms and dads and kids and everyone in between. You might be like, wow, Jay, this is a weird Mother's Day message. Yeah, maybe. But stick with me here for a minute. Turn to Luke, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And we're, we're going to look at this story of, of Peter. And I really think, if you're be honest with yourself here for the next 20 minutes-ish, I think you're going to see yourself in a lot of this story, regardless of where you're coming from. So in Luke 22 here, this is at the Last Supper where we're starting. Um, this is at the Last Supper, and the, and the disciples um, had, had just finished arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom because they thought this was a celebration meal. I think they really thought that this was like, all right, we're going to have this meal, and then Jesus is going to like take over, and here we go, right? They didn't realize that like in many ways, yes, it's that, but not at all in the way that they thought. Not at all in the way that they thought because they really weren't listening. They were being naive. They really weren't listening to what Jesus was saying. And so they get done with arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And you can almost like hear Jesus roll his eyes. And he puts them in their place. And then he calls out Peter, which is interesting because he's really the leader here. And he calls him out. Look at what he says. Simon, who's also Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He's already saying, you're going to blow it, Peter. And when you turn back, you need to strengthen your brothers. You need to be there for them. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. So Jesus knew that there was a battle going on behind the scenes. He knew what was really happening here, even though Peter wasn't aware of it. And it says, Jesus prayed for him. I prayed for you, Simon. That's a really interesting thing to look at that I, I think a lot of times we, we just blow right past. Satan wanted to crush Peter. Satan wanted to crush him, but he couldn't because Jesus prayed for him. And Jesus prays for you. He is interceding. We, we know this as a principle in, in Scripture. He is interceding for you with the Father. And he knows what is coming. And you have no idea. Think about this. You have no idea how many times your failures could have been so much worse had it not been for Jesus intervening on your behalf. And you had no idea that it was even happening. Peter had no idea what was really happening here and Jesus did but he felt like he could stand up he felt like he should be making you know the, this this statement of Jesus I'm going to go with you but you know what happens with our feelings our feelings will fail us our feelings will fail us let's be honest about this here for a minute we we 
We take action based on our feelings way more often than we should. Way more often than we should. There's a line in Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi looks at, at, at Luke and he says, trust your feelings. And this is the one time, well, one of the very few times I'm going to say this. No. Don't, no. Star Wars was wrong on that one. Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. We can't rely on how we feel or we will fail. If we rely on how we feel, we will fail. Now, I'm not saying that our feelings don't matter. Of course, God gave us feelings. We have emotions and all of those things. Like, absolutely. But we misplace our feelings and we ignore wisdom because we're just all about the feels. And that's not good either. There is tons of scripture to back this up too. Peter felt brave in the moment. He felt real brave in that moment, but he was unaware of the spiritual realities that were happening that Jesus could see. Feelings are unreliable and they cloud our judgment so often and we need to just acknowledge that. We need to just say that out loud for a minute here. Our feelings get in the way of God's wisdom and God's advice, and there is tons of scripture to back this up. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In Proverbs, you just look all over Proverbs. I promise you'll accidentally stumble on a verse that talks about this principle because it's all over the place. It, uh, one of them says that the way of a fool, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise person listens to advice. A wise person doesn't listen to the feels. A wise person listen, listens to advice. And Jesus didn't tell Peter this to discourage him, didn't you know, tell him this to, to make him feel like an idiot. And he's not telling us that either, but, but to let him know that there's a spiritual reality, there's, a, there's, there's real things happening here, there's a battle here that's, that you're unaware of. But Jesus knew it. Jesus knew it. And maybe your failures are telling you that as well. Maybe they're telling you that as well. Let's keep reading here as we skip down a little bit and look at what happened next, right? Jesus is arrested here. This is all in the same chapter. Jesus is arrested here, and here's what happens. Remembering what just happened with Jesus and Peter. Here's what he says. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Big tough guy following at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. And a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. That's, that's just kind of funny right there. Woman, I don't know him. Like you can almost hear him going, Psh, whatever. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you, you also were one of them. Man, I am not. Peter replied, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that, it, that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So Peter goes from being this big, tough, stand-up guy, talking a big game, 
to being intimidated by a servant girl. All in a matter of like 20 verses. Peter denies Jesus in public and then wept at the realization of his failure. Can you relate? I can. I definitely can. But here's a part that always kills me when I read this. The part that always just gets to me that I can't imagine looking into the eyes of Jesus in that moment. What must have been going through Peter's mind and his heart in that moment? The rooster crows. He just denies him three, you know, he denies him three times. The rooster crows and he looks up and there's Jesus looking right into his soul. Peter was immediately convicted of his sin. And not just the denial of Jesus, but the pride that led him to think that he would never deny him. And some of us have felt that way before too. And Jesus' eyes were not saying to him, how dare you? Told you, like we think they might be. Because I think too often we, we fail and then we come to the Lord and we think he's looking at us that way like a disappointed parent who's looking at us and going, you're lucky I don't put you in time out or get the belt, right? And that's not at all how Jesus is looking at us. Instead, I, I believe his eyes were saying, it's okay, I love you, I still love you, I'll always love you. And that broke Peter to his core. That broke Peter to his core so that Jesus could restore him. And I believe this was a life-defining moment for Peter that was birthed out of failure. And I believe there has been and or will be in your life some moments that are life-defining in terms of the calling that God has on your life that could have been or will be birthed out of failure if we're willing to look into the eyes of Jesus. Peter's story doesn't end here, though. It doesn't end here with him publicly denying Jesus. Peter fell, but he didn't fall away. A lot of times we will fall, and we will fall away. Peter fell, but he didn't fall away. You're going to stumble, you're going to fall. Don't fall away. Your story doesn't end with failure. Peter's didn't end with failure, and yours doesn't have to end with failure either, even your biggest one, even your biggest failure. Later in the Gospel of John, we see the very first time that Jesus and Peter really have a moment together. Peter was in the same room with him a few times after the resurrection and, um, and all of that, but this was really the first kind of intimate moment, personal moment, with the resurrected Jesus and Peter since the denial and for Peter, this solidified his calling. And I want you to see this. It's in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. It says this. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. I have to believe Peter's saying this like with his head almost down, like maybe even unable to make eye contact in this moment. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. 
third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Think that was intentional? Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. These two words are huge right here in this moment because Peter eventually was martyred for his faith. He, w- he was killed as a follower of, G- of Jesus and, and a proponent of the church and, and the way. So Jesus was telling him, like, I'm not done with you yet. You have work to do. And then he said, follow me. Why is that a big deal? When a rabbi said, follow me to somebody, that was a big, big deal. That meant you're to leave everything and, and, you, and you're to follow him and, and his teachings and, and everything and your calling and all of that. Peter was called twice because again, Jesus was saying, I'm calling you to follow me because I'm not done with you yet. Your failure does not disqualify you. He's telling him to feed his sheep. Jesus is saying, feed my sheep, take care of my disciples. Asks him three times, I think to really drive home the point here. But Jesus didn't condemn him. He didn't, you know, he didn't throw him under the bus. He didn't do any of those things that we would probably do to someone else, given the moment, right? He showed him love and reconciliation, and he called him again to follow him. And what he doesn't do is ask Peter to obey better, to repent better, to to behave better. He doesn't put him in time out or whatever, He asks him for his heart. He asks him for his love, that agape love, that unconditional love. Why? Because all the rest of the things will follow if we start there. All the rest will follow. It's not that those things don't matter. They do. But if you don't, if you're not coming from a place of love, that's where it's got to start. And we have to acknowledge our failures to get to that place. Listen, to grow in our journey, we must acknowledge our failures. We've got to just be honest about it. We've got to just call it what it is. You're like, I'm a hot mess. Yeah, well, look around. You know who else is? All of us. You look around this room, because without Jesus, we're all way more than a hot mess. We've, we've all got things that... And we were all to that point, which is why we came to Jesus in the first place, right? Because we were acknowledging our failures, whether we said it that way or not. That's what brought us to Jesus in the first place. So why, why do we stop at that moment and realize, you know, suppose Jesus and, and Peter sat down at that campfire after Jesus rose, rose again and Peter acted like everything was fine. He was like, hey, what's up? You know, and they didn't, maybe they had a made up high five. I don't know. And he just like, and he, you know, just acted like, yeah, we're just going on, just moving forward. You know, if Peter never acknowledged his failure, the story of Peter's redemption, I don't believe, would have happened. I don't believe that would have happened. And it's not the last time we hear from the Apostle Peter. We know that. 
He went on to be a leader in the early church. He went on to write uh, two of the letters of the New Testament. And in, in those letters, he talks about uh, the understanding of failing forward and that really what that means is the pursuit of holiness. And so now we're kind of getting to it. Holiness just means to be set apart. God is set apart. He is holy. And so as we pursue, we go after, we move forward towards holiness, we have to understand that we're going to fail. And when we do, for us to move toward a place of holiness, we have to acknowledge where we have failed and realize that he is holy and that we are moving toward that, that that is the goal. Look at what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 18. He's kind of, you can, you can almost tell if you really think about it as, as you're reading this, that he drew these principles and, and this, this, what he learned here and what he's sharing from this moment and from this time with Jesus. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, that's a big deal right there, judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you, from your ancestors. We, we weren't redeemed by silver or gold. We were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? So it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. In many ways, this is what he's saying here. Let's call it what it is. Let's give it to Jesus and fail forward. We're, we're sometimes way too reluctant to even admit that we failed, which is why we can't move forward because we won't even admit it, even though Jesus knew. Jesus knows. And if anyone knows about failing and redemption and living for Christ, it was the man who denied Jesus Christ at his own trial. None of us have that on our rap sheet. <laughs> there is one person that has that on the rap sheet in the history of the world, and that's Peter. And Jesus turned around and looked to him later and said, follow me. I'm going to use you because your failures don't disqualify you. In fact, in many ways, they qualify you to move forward and to reach people because you can understand people more. Peter received love. He received forgiveness and grace from God. And so can you. So can you. You know, some of us are holding so much over our own head. Some of us are really hard on ourselves, myself included. This is a struggle for me. I'm not... I've never heard, I've never preached a message I didn't need to hear myself. And I mean that sincerely. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to present ourselves as always strong and that we always have it all together. But we're painting an unrealistic picture of ourselves to the world. I think one of the biggest lies that many of us say all the time are these two words. I'm fine. We hear this all the time. We say it all the time. I'm fine. Are you? I mean, you might be. Like, legit, you really might be. <laughs> and that's great. You are now. You're not always going to be. You're not always going to be fine. You may be fine in this moment. You may not be fine in a couple of hours. 
You might be lying to everyone else and to the Lord, and on the inside, you're crumbling. We need to be honest about that. It's one of the biggest lies we tell over and over and over again to the point where we actually start believing it instead of taking our crumbling self to the foot of the cross and to Jesus and to the resurrecting power. The resurrected king is resurrecting me, as we sang just a little bit ago. We cannot and should not pretend that we have it all together. After all, the world can see our brokenness. We're really not as good at hiding it as we think we are. We need to find a safe place where we can be real about our failures. You know where we should be able to do that? Church. You know where it's sometimes the toughest place to do that? Church. Church. It should not be. It should not be. I mean, let's just, if we're gonna be honest, let's be completely honest here, right? being the church, being a community of believers who fight for each other, who walk through life together with each other. That's what we should be. This should represent a hospital way more than it should represent a cruise ship. And we've heard that before, but until we actually own that and walk that out and live that by example... I think we do a great job of that for the most part as Connect Church. It's part of our culture and who we are moving forward. Can we do better at that? Uh Uh-huh. We always can. Do we get it right all the time? Nope. Not even close. And I'm not saying that to come down on anybody or anyone or anything along those lines. I'm just calling it what it is, right? I think we do a great job at that. But we can always do better. I'm sure there's some of you here that I've let down that I've failed. And all the way around the room, all of us can look around and and realize that. And instead of just saying, I'm fine, we should be there for each other. We should be willing to share with each other, to pray for each other. That's why life groups are such an important part of of, of our culture and what we do as as we start to continue to move forward with those. If you're not in one, I cannot encourage you enough to be a part of a life group. It's a movie that came out in February um, on Netflix called The Atom Project. You may have seen it. Um, and it's got uh, Ryan Reynolds. Um, it's pretty funny, but there's a part in it. It's a sci-fi movie, um, and there's a part in it that really just got me. Um, Ryan Reynolds is a, is a time-traveling uh, fighter pilot, and he crash lands in 2022, and he works with his 12-year-old self <laughs> um, to kind of save the future. And Ryan Reynolds' character actually um, gets a chance to sit and talk to his younger mom at a, at a part in the movie. And his dad had passed away when he was like nine or 10, something like that. Um, and she feels like she's failing as a mother. She just feels like she's completely failing as a mother. But she's keeping her mask on and she's keeping her guard up. And having lived through this once, Ryan Reynolds' character knows what's going on with her. And you gotta believe, it's never said, but you gotta believe that he's realizing that he failed her also. But she's trying to keep the mask up and trying to stay strong, and he says this to her. He says, I know you're being strong for him, meaning himself as a 12-year-old. He says, I know you're being strong for him, 
But the problem with acting like you have it all together is that he believes it. Maybe he needs to know that you don't. And it's okay that you don't. It's important for us to realize and say out loud with, hum- with humility both our failures and our successes in difficult times so that we can grow together as people and as believers and as the body of Christ. So that's why the connection point for the day is to fail forward and admit that you don't have it all together. Jesus is in control. There's a lot of us that won't admit that we don't have it all together because we think it's not okay to not have it all together. You don't have to have every single piece and part together. Because you know who does? Jesus. You know who's walking right with you the whole time, whether you realize it or not? Jesus. So is this a weird Mother's Day message? Maybe. But I bet you there are a lot of moms that need to hear this right now. And even though it's difficult, it's impossible to fail forward if we never acknowledge failure in the first place. Will you bow your heads with me? You know, all of us need to start with an admission of our mistakes and our sins. And that's got to start with us as followers of Jesus. If anyone should be more aware of their sins and their failures, it should be followers of Jesus because we just have a different perspective on sin and failure. Or at least we should. And maybe this is the day that you get honest with the Lord. You get honest with yourself. You get honest with others. If you're trying to do this on your own, it's not at all what God intended. It's not what Jesus intended the church to be like. Don't trust your feelings. Trust Jesus because he's in control. So church, let this be the day that maybe we take another step towards being a place where broken people can share their pain and find healing in the arms of Jesus. If you've never found healing in the arms of Jesus, maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. We need to start there. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love us so much. I thank you, Lord, that there is, as we say, there's nothing we can do to make you love us more. There's nothing we can do to make you love us less. You just love us unconditionally. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. Lord, you freely give us eternal life because of what you did for us. Not because of what we try to do or don't do. Not because of what we can or can't do or where we've messed up doesn't disqualify us, Lord. Your love for us, it's there. It's unconditional. It's always. And so, Jesus, I thank you for that. God, I pray that we would be encouraged through this, that we would be honest with ourselves, with you, with others. God, I believe that there's maybe some tough conversations that need to happen, some repentance that maybe needs to happen, some, some honesty that, that needs to, to come forth from each and every one of us, starting with me.
God, all of us have things that we need to just be honest with you about, and we're, we're so grateful that we can. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as, as we sing here in a minute, that you would continue to move through this place. Holy Spirit, you would come down on this place, and you would, as you did with Peter, Lord, you, you broke him and put him back together even stronger. And God, you do that with us as well if we're willing. So Father, I pray that we would all be willing. If there's one here watching today that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that today might be the day that they do. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.